Welcome to the Perky Collar Radio Show, where we talk to entrepreneurs from across the globe to learn why they started their company, what mistakes they've made, what they learned from those mistakes, and they all share an incredible success story. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Perky Collar Radio Show. I'm your host, David M. Frankel. Today, I'm so excited to introduce you my guest, Chaz, the Scrimp King, Crenshaw, and he is the franchise owner of the Scrimp Shack. Good morning, Chaz. How are you this morning? Good morning, David. How are you? Doing very well. I always like to kick off the show with the why. Why did you get started with the Crimp Shack? Why did I get started with the Scrimp Shack? Yes, sir. Oh, oh, trust me, man. I kind of (laughs) ask that question (laughs) daily sometimes. Uh, My background is not uh, in the restaurant business. My background, I'm a general contractor for the federal government uh, from everything from ground up construction to uh, space and tenant renovations, build outs and uh, operation maintenance. We actually uh, maintain government building space and so forth and so on. But uh, I got into this because, I, you know, I'm friends with uh, a lot of other entrepreneurs and, you know, I've been blessed. I also have a mental health agency and um, I, I have a good friend down in uh, Chesapeake, Virginia, and we've had some great success stories doing government contracting. And we always talk about diversifying and doing some things and one of my good partners, uh, Glenn Hurd, uh, owns uh, Hurd Concrete. It's been very successful. And uh, over the years, he has a friend that he grew up with as teenagers, and they later became roommates and so forth and so on during the time when Glenn was first starting out. And he was a young entrepreneur. He started his concrete business young, and uh, he was friends with uh, – one of my other partners in the franchise, uh, Kevin Harrison, which was the typical story like you see on the McDonald's commercials where this kid Calvin uh, works in the uh, restaurant and becomes a, in the McDonald's and becomes an owner. Well, that's the same story that Kevin Harrison came, uh, came about in the Chick-fil-A family. So he was in Chick-fil-A from the time he was a teenager uh, for probably about 36 years, was the number one Chick-fil-A operator in the uh, in the country. And uh, this op- this uh, opportunity came to buy this franchise, um, the Scrimp Shack. It's a seafood restaurant that was started down in uh, Newport News in the Tidewater, Virginia area by a wonderful couple named uh, Stacy and Mitch Hartman. They were actually a, a kind of a, a, a mom and pop mode when they first started was selling fresh seafood out of the back of their truck and coolers. And they also, um, you know, began to uh, work on getting a standalone building and they were selling seafood. This is a wonderful story how this built up. They were selling uh, fresh seafood and for some reason the codes in Virginia forced them to start selling some portion of cooked food and Mitch uh, Hartman, he went out in the back and built kind of like a little small tool shed and start uh, frying fish and it just blew up. And 
they got their first store open and they had some family members that wanted to be uh, in a franchise and they franchised them uh, the first one or two stores and um, over a period from 2012 up until January 2020, um, I think that they were just ready to kind of back out of it. It was growing faster than they thought and they uh, brought it to Kevin and Kevin brought it to my partner that I was doing construction business with, uh, Glenn Hurd, and then it came around to me to have an opportunity to get into this franchise. And um, I didn't know anything about the food business, but I got a great big belly to prove that I'm a great food connoisseur. And uh, Glenn asked me, he said, man, you got to go check out this scrimp shack food and uh, didn't realize that I had eaten there before. And I went and got this great big uh, fat sandwich. One of the things that scrimp shack is known for is having the best fish sandwich in town. And now I say the best fish sandwich anywhere. Uh, well, I was, I, I said, man, this is a fabulous concept and so forth and so on. So we started having some meetings and over a period of time, um, initially Glenn and Tom Davison and, and um, Kevin Harrison, they bought the entire franchise and I opted to have uh to just get into the franchise by buying two locations and i put them in charlotte north carolina and uh, the more i visited how great this food is and the culture that we're trying to build around it the 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 whole theme of uh family is the way and together is the way i fell in love with it the opportunity came back around for me to be a partner in owning the entire franchise um, about four or five months ago. And uh, here we are. Wow. That's quite a journey. It is quite a journey in a short period of time. I, I look at that. It's only been uh, a little bit over a year that I got into the owning the stores and um, hasn't even been a year that I've been a, a partner in owning the franchise itself. And uh, I'll tell you, I'm having a ton of fun. I've been on the Scrimp Shack Nation tour, visiting all of the Scrimp Shacks and meeting all of the franchisees. And I tell you, man, we're on to something really great. The food is great. The product's great. And even better, uh, we have great people on the team. That makes a huge difference when you have great people on the team. That's the, uh, I think the double-headed monster right now that most people are dealing with, especially after stimulus checks have gone out. I think a lot of companies, a lot of businesses are struggling finding the good people. So when you have good people, you got to take care of them and treat them right so they stick around. Well, we're in the same struggle. And I find out um, it's, it's not just in the food business, but I'm, I'm really um struggling with it as we all are i'm praying for all of the restaurants and folks in the food industry just because of um what we're all going through trying to find folk to that want to work and uh, often people think that um well you got to pay more well we're known for paying probably more or at least as much as those are paying in the uh the industry 
in the food industry, man. And I tell you, it, it seems not to make a difference at all. Um, you know, now uh, with the stimulus, and I'm so glad that and happy that uh, we have stimulus because there's a lot of folk out there. They need it. You know, people are hurting, but in a way, and uh, as well as even the uh, unemployment benefits, in a way, it's been an, an encouragement for folk to tend to say, well, you know, I could probably make more money on unemployment. So uh, we're contending with that. But I can say that uh, we do struggle hard to find folk, but uh, we, we do have a handful of great folk that have been dedicated. And I'm dedicated to making sure that we uh, take care of them as well as protect them and um, encouraging and i would think that right now it's kind of a, a double double-edged sword for restaurant businesses all over the country especially in north carolina because you're still at 50 percent capacity which means you're at half the margin you could be if you're sold out and jam-packed right and trying to find good people so it's, you're trying to deal with two things you're trying to deal with half the revenue you could have and trying to find good people that need to make more money to make it worth going to work versus like you said, staying home and uh, just extending their unemployment. It's just a tricky time. So I think really it comes down to culture because the culture at Scrim Shack is so much fun. They enjoy, they're part of the family. They come to work because they want to come to work because they enjoy coming to work. And that's a, a, the secret sauce in my opinion for a lot of businesses is how do you make that culture so much fun and so enjoyable and the opportunity for growth uh, that you want to come and be a part of this culture. Wow, well, you said a mouthful. You must have been in my corporate meeting on uh, Monday, and that's exactly what we were talking about, um, you know, for employment retention. Uh, what do we do to make an employment, first of all, interested in even working for us or working with us? No one works for me. We work together. Um, yeah, that's interesting, man. We try to create a, a, a warm atmosphere. Uh, the first thing is we, we care about our employees and I probably do some things that's kind of unorthodox in the uh, in business period. You know, in, in the restaurant business, we have a lot of young folk and then we have, uh, you know, some older folks sometimes for whatever reason, um, you know, they've been in this business uh, sometimes as new starters or they've been around from restaurant to restaurant and something may have changed in, in those businesses. But uh, the thing that we do, and this sounds cliche, but it's the truth. We actually care about our employees. I, I try to know every, I'm not in my restaurants every day because I'm, I'm, I have other businesses, but while I'm learning this restaurant business, I tell you, I've spent a, a ton of time in there with them. And uh, I've tried to meet all of the employees and uh, take the time to have some dialogue and find out a little bit about those that want me to know something about them. And uh, some of them have uh, issues outside of work that we talk about. Um, we I've, I've talked to a lot of them about financing, building their credit and uh, possibly becoming uh, homeowners and so forth and so on and saving and uh, some soft basic financial literacy. And they really feel the love and they really feel that we care. And uh, we try to keep a, 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 a motivated uh, atmosphere and all of that has been great for us. 
It makes a big difference. One of my favorite shows is Undercover Boss. Oh, yeah. Because it forces that CEO to come down to the grass, the roots of the business and just learn how hard people are working, what else is going on in their life, who they're trying to support, how they get to work. And there's amazing stories out there, people that have sacrificed so much to come to work every single day. And and I love the fact that you do that with your your employees. It makes them feel valued. It makes them feel important. It makes them feel special. And like you said, we care about our employees is such an important component of your culture. And if you don't feel like people care about you, you just go find another job because it's just a job when nobody cares. Well, you're exactly right, man. Uh, My heart is built for people. Kind of got into the mental health the same way. Um, That's not my background, uh, but I have a wonderful team of folk that uh, helped me facilitate that. And the name of that business is Delivering Hope Human Services. It's located in Richmond, Virginia. We do crisis stabilization and intensive in-home counseling. We also do um, psychosocial therapeutic day treatment. Um, And we do what they call mental health skill build. But anyway, people ask me, how did I get into that business? I just love people, man, and I love changing lives uh, where I can doing my little part, delivering hope. Hope stands for helping other people excel. And, uh, you know, I just carry that wherever I go. Um, You know, there's nothing great about me. Uh, You know, I just tell people I'm not a super spiritual guy, but it's just, uh, you know, just the God in me that just loves people, man. I don't care what your race is, nationality. I don't care what your financial status is. Um, And in my eyes, everyone truly is the same. And uh, wherever I can try to make a difference, um, you know, I, I try to do that. I, from this point forward, I rename you Chaz the Big Heart Crenshaw. Sorry <laughs> I'll about take that. I'll take that. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yes, sir. So help me understand, Chaz, for all the business listeners and entrepreneurs listening, share with us some mistakes you've made. Obviously, there's a choice of opening your own business, starting from scratch, and then buying a franchise. I've kind of worked out a lot of kinks and challenges and mistakes. Share with us maybe a couple mistakes you've made along the way, either with the uh, delivering hope business in Virginia, or maybe with the uh, scrimp shack uh, that they can relate to. But most importantly, what did you learn from those mistakes that helped you move forward? Oh, wow. Oh my goodness, man. Where do I start? Um, You know, my first, I've had several little businesses uh, from the time I was a teenager, believe it or not. And, um, but the first business that really grew teeth is summit construction and environmental services um that's my construction business we're a general contractor for the federal government and uh when i started that business i was actually managing um i was working for another company a large very very big company and i was managing contracts throughout dc washington dc doing asbestos abatement and um also uh you know renovations and what have you in the dc public schools and i managed over 280 million dollars worth of work and i had an opportunity to meet a lot of small businesses um anywhere from asbestos contractors to industrial hygienists doing air monitoring um drywall paint you name it anything in the construction i was watching all of these folks doing so well and uh, and i've always had that entrepreneur spirit and i was as i would uh 
put hired them and uh, assigned them to certain contracts. I was thinking to myself, I'm not that smart, but I'm at least as smart as this woman or or this guy after working with them over a period of time. And I'm like, man, they're really getting it. And uh, I started thinking about how I could uh, start my own business and what have you. And um, it certainly wasn't as easy <laughs> as I thought. I did stay with that company as I started uh, working on learning about how to set the business up, what licenses, what insurances, and what have you. And at that time, I had a nice, had worked myself up to having a nice six-figure job. I um, had a company truck uh, every couple of years. Uh, whenever I was traveling, I was on per diem. They paid for my lodging. Had it pretty going on for a little country boy. And uh, <laughs> yeah, man. And uh, looking at all of the glamorous side of uh, being a business owner, uh, kind of got caught up in that and really stepped out there before I was really ready. So far as, uh, you know, looking at all of the things that you could, you kind of need to uh, do the level of business that I was trying to do. Um, I'm glad I did keep my day job. <laughs> That's what I call it, my day job uh, for the period of time that I did before I stepped out. But once I stepped out, um, I didn't realize that I hadn't had any contracts set up. I was just going on faith and I was sitting at my computer one day and mm -hmm. I started typing this um, email to all of my corporate folk that it had been nice uh, working for them for 15 years and and that I learned a wealth of information and had a wealth of uh, great experiences and so forth and so on and and uh, I hit send and it and it went through and uh, the company everybody all of a sudden uh, knew who Chaz Crenshaw was I didn't even know that people knew who I was uh, outside of the direct folk that I was um, being managed by. And and like I said, I was running a big project in DC and had made them a whole bunch of money. And all of a sudden, everybody wants to keep me and wants to know what they could do. And by that time, I was determined that I, I was going to go out there. But the, the biggest downfall was um, not really being prepared, to be honest, David. Um, financially, uh, you know, like I said, you know, I had a good job, but I was um you know when you when you're making a certain amount of money sometimes you live uh, according to what you make so it wasn't like i had this ginormous um stash of money to fund a business i didn't have uh, a significant line of credit to do the type of work that i was doing um so those were all of the things that i hadn't thought that deep into and uh i i wish that i had uh, then the other thing is, uh, one of the things that happened to me, uh, I was pretty successful early in the game when I look back at it. I, because I was so connected with the government already, um, I was able to go to some of the folk that I had uh, worked for at, uh, through the company that I was working for. At that time, it was IT Group. And um, these folks... Um, you know, they, they liked the way that I did business and they started giving me little pieces of work and so forth and so on. So I started all of a sudden, man, I started rolling. And the big thing that got me jammed up, David, is I didn't think about having a great accounting system. 
man, was I in for a big surprise. I had someone that was mom and pop doing my uh, books and taxes. And three years down the road, I got myself a tax bill for $1.3 million. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I got a letter in the mail. I was I opened it up by when it said the IRS, I call her Aunt Iris. And I opened it and it had a bill for taxes for a period of three years. And uh, when I saw that thing, it added up to about $1.3 million. I want to tell you, I stepped back and I was waiting on Ashton Kusher to jump out and say, you've been pumped at any time. Well, I wasn't pumped. It was the real deal. And uh, as I went through it and dealing with the IRS, I said, listen, I don't owe y'all a million three. I said, I haven't made that kind of money. They say, hey, partner, you owe it until you prove that you, you don't. Well, I wasn't able to really pull all of that together. And one of the things that happened to me is that I had a lot of contractors working for me that I that were doing big work and I didn't send them a 1099. And, uh, you know, a period of time had gone by. And that's the worst thing that you can do, especially if you're doing contract work. You have to be accountable for uh, the money that comes in. You better show where it's going out. And uh, that's that's where I failed. And that's where my um, my tax person, what was not a CPA, uh, didn't handle that for me. So any rate, I did make it out of it, man. A good Lord bless me, man. And uh you know, business kept on going great, but I didn't pay myself for three years. And uh, I'll tell you, I'm thankful that I came out of that because I just did not see a way out of it. So I'll tell anybody starting business. Um, the number one thing as you put your plan together, get you some get you. First of all, get you a good accountant. Be thinking about who your attorney is going to be. Get another accountant to watch the first accountant. <laughs> and uh you know, don't don't spend the money too soon. Money is not like milk. It won't go bad. Uh, trust me, as you start making it, uh, you don't have to run out and start looking at the next dream home. Um, you know, I was a millionaire before I realized uh, that it was okay to go ahead. And it was a long time. And, and I'm not saying I was a millionaire just to be bragging. I'm just saying that's how tight I was. After that IRS experience, um, I always look at, and I still look at money like that ain't mine. I, I don't mind it sitting in the bank and, you know, uh, I'm very cautious as to the moves that I make. I'm always looking to make sure that I uh, have enough money to maybe invest in something else. I'm not tired yet, you know, but I just, those are the, the things that I would say. Some of the mistakes that I made, uh, you know, I was spending money faster than uh, than I was making it. I wasn't accounting for it. And uh, I wasn't looking at the big picture and the vision down the road. Well, now, I, I, you know, I've been hitting the head with a sledgehammer and and that's all I think about, you know. Um, so uh, that's where we are, David. It's a great story. And I think a lot of people can learn from that mistake. And obviously, when all the 1099s don't go out and it all looks like your income, that definitely causes a big problem. Exactly right, man. The government slam told me, they said, hey, man, hey, that might be cool. They said, but uh, you until you proved that you don't owe it and uh, couldn't figure that thing out. And, uh, and by that time, man, it was just too late, but uh, right. because of my will to win and getting up every day, I said a prayer. I said, Lord, whatever this is I'm going through, 
I said, uh, if you help me get through it, I'll get up every day and keep fighting. And, and that's exactly what I did. And uh, that's my testimony. And uh, I would tell anyone, just because you've been knocked down, you got to be like that old Mattel toy years ago. They used to call it a weeble. And weeble a wobble, but he won't fall down. You know, that's so right. If you're struggling uh, and you believe in what you're doing, you got to get up every morning and grind. You're exactly right. That's the definition of an entrepreneur. If you can't get back up after you've been knocked down, you're not going to make it as an entrepreneur very long. Amen. So you shared an incredible learning experience. How about share a success story now, Chaz? Tell us, obviously, your life is a success story. Don't get me wrong. But is there an example of something you're just so proud of that happened to work out that you just feel took you to the next level or helps you realize you've arrived or just made you feel great about something you accomplished in the process of business? I tell you, you know, in my construction business, um, you know, like I said, from from starting out of a, a, a truck that you couldn't even get out of on the driver's side. Uh, and had to slide over, couldn't even go through a drive-through window to uh, now look around and own a fleet of very nice trucks. My employees drive nice in the construction business. And, um, you know, that that was uh, something big to me as I was starting to get nice equipment. Um, folks start learning who Summit Construction was. I remember the days I was like looking at all of these contractors arriving. Everybody would know them. Nobody would know my name, you know, and then, you know, I had to put in the work. And now, you know, folks pretty much know my company in, in, in different states and so forth and so on. But, you know, the biggest thing that really made me realize that was a success story is I always wanted to be able to offer great benefits, insurance and 401k and um, be able to uh, say that I offered someone a bonus. That's when I felt my first taste of success when I was able to do that. That's great. That's that's how that big heart of yours. Yeah, yeah. I, care I really care about people. I've been on. Yeah, I've been on all spectrums of the workforce, man. And right now, you say like in my restaurant, the Scrimp Shack, uh, the, the 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 young folk and folk are amazed that I'll go in there and detail a bathroom out. I'm down there, man. I got cleaning supplies and bleaching around the toilet. I'm no different than anyone else when I'm in the restaurant. They get backed up, man. I get on the on the fryers. I'm greeting customers. I'm carrying trash. I'm making tea. There's nothing in that restaurant that anyone does that I won't do. Good for you. Got to lead by example. Phenomenal. Anything I didn't cover in the interview, Chaz, you want to cover before we wrap up? Any topics or any? Uh, well, if you about the scrim shack, I didn't discuss. Well, if you want to eat at the number one fast casual uh, seafood dining, you need to come on down to 3718 Central Avenue in Charlotte, North Carolina. It's a must. We also have outdoor dining. We also have a lo another location in the McMullen Creek area, 8328 Pineville Matthews Road. We'd love to have you. Have several fish on the uh, menu. Uh, if you, most people love our fried seafood. We have oyster scallops. Uh, shrimp, we have uh, fish, several different fish on the menu, good grade of fish. Um, fast service, we'll bring it to the curb. Uh, you can uh, call in online, just follow the scrimpshack.com um, and locate uh, Scrimp Shack Charlotte or either Google it. And uh, we'd love to have you. 
Uh, it's a great restaurant. You'll feel a whole lot of love when you come in there. And like I said, we are the number one fast casual dine seafood in my mind anywhere. So come on down and check us out and God bless you. That's a great way to end it, Taz. Well, David, I certainly appreciate you giving me the opportunity and I, I met you. Uh, you know, with your business, and man, I love your products, man. I can't wait to put my feather tie on. I'm already rocking my bracelet, and yesterday would have been a perfect time for me to have my per perky collar on. I didn't look know that I looked so bad with a droopy collar until you introduced me to that perky collar, man. So I appreciate you, man. I consider you now a brother and a friend, and I hope that we'll continue to keep our relationship, and I'll be out there to see you and get me some more of those wooden ties and stuff, man. I think your stuff is the bomb. Well, thank you, sir. I got to bring my wife to have a genuine experience at the Crim Shack. All right, do that, man. Be my treat. Give me a call when you want to come on out, brother. Yes, sir. Well, thank you so much, Chaz, for your time. I applaud you for your big heart because obviously there's more people out there that need a big heart. If more people have big hearts, we have less issues with racial disharmony and oh, man, you know, yeah. all kinds of other issues that are out there. If we just have a big heart and we're all just people, we all bleed red. And Absolutely, I appreciate and applaud man. all that you do and the culture of your business and uh, all that you do each and every day. So I really appreciate your time and wish you the continued success and wish you the very best, Chaz. I appreciate that. As, a, as we say at the Scrimp Shack, together is the way, my brother. Exactly right. Have a great day, sir. You too. Keep smiling. Yes, sir. <laughs> What is the Perky Collar? It is a collar support system for dress shirts. That's right, over 18,000 of these amazing devices have been sold globally. How does it work? Lift the collar, add the Perky Collar with the long tapered ends on top, lower your collar on top. Adjust to make sure it's even around the collar, and that's it. You've now transformed your droopy, saggy dress shirt collar to a brand new looking dress shirt ready to tackle sweaters, jackets, blazers, and the collar still stays nice and tall. How do you find it? The website is perkyllc.com. That's spelled P as in Paul, E as in elephant, R as in Robert, K as in kangaroo, Y as in yo-yo, LLC, LarryLarryCharlie.com. That's perkyllc.com. Get yours today, or if you're in Charlotte, North Carolina, visiting or live here, feel free to come by South Park Mall's kiosk located between Francesca's and Toomey. Best entrance is Maggiano's and Cheesecake Factory. See you soon. Look your best. Have a great day.